There is a great deal to learn in this. Is this on? Can you hear me? Uh, there's a great deal to learn in this gospel. Uh, it's only got a few lines, but it's very rich. Jesus has been with them for 40 days, and this is Matthew's version of what happened around the ascension. He's giving us details that Luke and Mark do not. Um, Luke is compiling his, his narrative uh, long after the events. He's a Gentile, and Mark was young at that time and probably got his gospel from Peter, we think. Matthew is actually there, and so he gives us a few eyewitness details that nobody else does. And what's very interesting is this is the first place where Jesus actually approaches them. And usually the disciples approach Jesus with a question, you see. Jesus, of course, was the one that called them originally. And he doesn't call a 12th apostle. He could have because he was still walking on the earth. He leaves that for the church to decide. So from now on, the Lord is going to be speaking with us always until the end of the age, but we're going to have to discern through the Spirit. And so Jesus uh, takes the 11, and there's certainly a lot of others there that aren't mentioned, just as in many other places in the gospel, certainly his mother and some of the women. And probably there were 500 that Jesus appeared to, St. Paul said, so perhaps they were all there. We don't know. But the 11 are the important ones in this reading. And uh, what's going through their minds, I am sure, is what happened to Jesus 40 days earlier. Remember, Jesus is stretched out on the cross, and the sign over him says, this is the king of the Jews. He looked like the most powerless man on earth. And the disciples ran away, you know. Uh, John came back. He was the first to repent. And so um, here Jesus comes to them and says, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. It couldn't have looked any different. This is a, it's, a lot of this gives us a lot of discernment on what is happening now and what's going to happen in the future. You want to know the future? In the world to come, things are going to be upside down. Christ, who appeared the most powerless, is the most powerful being in all of creation and what is uncreated, heaven, which is God's home, and earth, our creation. He's the Lord of everything. Didn't look like it. In the same way, people that don't look powerful now are going to be in the positions of power forever. And so Jesus is pointing this out to us in a not-too-subtle way. And then they see him, and he must look particularly divine at this moment, and they worship him. Notice how they worship him. This is the first time that they give Jesus direct worship that is given only to God. These are Jews that believe that God cannot be, uh, no figure of God can be drawn. His, his name cannot be mentioned. They use four letters, W-H-W-Y-H. Well, they use four letters. <laughs> which we say, used to say Yahweh, and now out of deference to the Jews, we've stopped saying that word. But, and here's Jesus, God incarnate. What, what a leap of faith this is. So what, I, what I'm bringing, leading up to is Matthew is one of them, and he's bowing down to worship. You ever had to do something in unison, and you're keeping an eye out, a corner of your eye, to make sure you're not being stupid and the only one doing something? You know, like you're up here... Uh, when we do con celebration, there's various ways that priests do this. There's a correct way, and then there's a way that some priests do it. And so I'm always watching out the corner of my eye to make sure that everyone holds their hands at the right place. Otherwise, I don't want to be the only one. This is the kind of thing that, that, that was happening. Matthew is bowing down to worship Jesus, but out of the corner of his eye, he's watching everybody else. And a few of them are holding back. 
They're looking around first and then going down with everyone else. So Matthew very remarkably puts in his gospel, and they worshipped him. Remember, he's, he's there. They worshipped him, but some doubted. They worshipped him, but they hesitated. These are different ways to translate that incredible line. They worshipped him, but they doubted. But some doubted, but they hesitated. Why would Ma- Matthew put that particular line in a testament that is meant to impart faith to the earth. And the reason is because this is how God acts. Even while Jesus, they're looking right at Jesus, there's this element of doubt. And we see this in all of human history. No matter how direct and dramatic God works in the world, he always leaves room for another opinion. You will always find an alternate explanation because God this is, we have to have faith. If God makes himself so obvious, then we've lost our faith, we've lost our free will, and we aren't here, we're no longer making a choice between God and ourselves, God and the other, which is not as good as him. There's just, there's so many examples of this. Oh, I could talk for hours. Worried about it? No. Okay. <laughs> One, I, I meant to go home and look this up. I used to read a lot of science books because I've always been fascinated by by physics, even though it's hard to understand sometimes. Um, I read a wonderful book by, Mark, by Sir Martin Rees, an English uh, physicist, and he, he wrote a book called, somebody can help me with it, just six numbers or something like that, and it, uh, it talks about, I don't know what, if he's a man of faith or not, it's not a book of faith, it's a book of science, and he points out that without these five or six incredibly fine-tuned things at, at the creation, at the Big Bang, we would not be here. If gravity was just a little bit stronger, the sun would not exist. If it was a little bit weaker, everything would fly apart. Uh, The strong force has to be just a certain way. The weak force has to be a certain way, and so on. And his point is that this universe is gamed for life. And it appears, if, if this is the only universe, it's an awfully incredible coincidence. Now, I, I mention this because when, when science looks at this, it does lead to the conclusion there might be somebody behind all of this. No matter whether it's evolution or not, in the beginning, maybe there is a God somewhere hiding behind all of these details. Or you could come up with an alternate explanation that perhaps the multiverse, that there are many universes, we are one of millions, and therefore it's just all a coincidence. The only problem with that is there's no direct evidence for a multiverse at all. But it's an, it is and a legitimate way of looking at things because God set the world up precisely that way. That if I don't want to see God in the world, I can turn my eyes away and find, in my mind at least, an alternate logical explanation. That's so that we can have a choice. You'll see this, you see this right in the gospel and you see it played out today everywhere. There's just so many examples in the world. I just want to bring up one or two that come to mind that I find fascinating. One is, is Our Lady of Guadalupe. I, you could go on for hours about how miraculous that thing is. You could begin by saying, there is no other, to my knowledge, no other garment from that, from that century that still exists. And this, this was hung for, for centuries without any protection whatsoever. But anyway, made of cactus fiber that normally disintegrates in 30 years. The thing had a bomb go under it, off under it in the 1920s. You can still see the... the thick iron cross that was almost bent in two 
by the force of this blast designed to destroy her. Every window in the church was, was busted out, but not the glass or the image above it. In the, uh, this image converted something along the lines of 7 million Indians in 10 years because it's so powerful, wordless picture. You get the impression no human being could have come up with something like that. Surely nothing else has in human history. But there's a little piece in it for the modern era. And that is, if you look into her eye, under a microscope, which did not exist 500 years ago, on coarse cactus fiber, you can see an image, not painted, we don't know how it got there, but it's a perfect image of a curved eye with the image of what she's looking at upside down and curved. You can see at least three figures, Juan Diego, the bishop, and a translator, and they're kneeling. And so I've noticed it's the bishop and, yeah, Juan Diego. And, and so this image was not known in any other, no other image of that era has this phenomenon in the eye because it was unknown at that, in that century. How did it get there? Um, it doesn't prove God's existence. It just is a very strong hint. And that's all God is going to give us. I look at that and I see faith. Others look and they think, there has to be an explanation. It can't be God's, so there has to be something. We look and we look and we look. God is practically screaming to this generation, which I think we are just deaf, dumb, and blind. It's, it's so funny. We know so much about the world. And the more, the more we learn, the more I see God. But others can walk away from their faith as if God doesn't exist. Um, there's so many near-death experiences right now, uh, probably because modern science is able to pull people back from the edge more, or maybe people are just becoming aware of it. Um, doesn't prove God's existence, but there are many that are desperately trying to figure out why a logical explanation for these things, but you, you hear people that, that can tell you what was on the roof of the hospital while they were in a coma. No, no brain can do that. Um, yet, someone will come up with a logical explanation so that there can't be a God involved in any of this, can there? And you'll find this, this happens in your own lives as well. If you look at Fatima, I'm not going to bring that up too much, but look at the miracle of the sun. It, when the, on October 13, 1913, Thousands of people saw the sun fall from the sky, and it had been raining that day, and according to the account, things were dry at the end of this vision. This was chronicled in the local socialist newspaper in, uh, in Portugal. And uh, it was put down as mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Thousands of people saw the same thing, but it's mass hysteria. See how God we have two explanations for things. And so, um, in our world, we too, in our lives, we sometimes have doubts that God exists or that he doesn't love me or he's not helping me. And so, um, you find that this is the normal way that God operates in our lives. This, these are the things that um, challenge our faith. This is how we grow. Uh, if the apostles had to go through this, so do we have to go through this. We are not going to see clearly until the next world. God will give us many strong hints in our lives. I got many good signs when I was um, studying to be, or thinking about becoming a priest, but nothing so, so dramatic as to take away my faith. I had to take a leap of faith. You will have to take a leap of faith. God won't always make things so 
deeply clear. Um, so we ask ourselves, Lord, we too are with you as you ascend into heaven. You promised to be with us until the end of time. We pray that you will guide us as you guided the apostles. Speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Help us to listen to you, of course, through the church and the scriptures and our lives. Help us to listen to you. Help us to recognize you in the signs that you give us in the times and the signs of our lives. When we have doubts, help us to process that, to think about it, to listen to you, and to realize that you're speaking to us in so many places in the world. We pray that we will see you in the Trinity in all the places that you are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.